if you have your Bibles, you might like to take them out this morning. We're going to be opening up to uh, Exodus chapter 33, and we're actually going to just put a little bit of a pause on our series through Romans, and I thought we might just start a, a new series uh, this morning. As we do, as you open up the Word, I might pray, and then we'll launch into it today. Father, I want to thank you for this time, this precious time that we can gather together, that we can worship you, that we can partake of communion. But Lord, now as we open up your word, I want to thank you, God, so much for your word, Lord, uh, for its power, for the way that you lead us and speak to us through your word, Lord. I, I pray this morning, God, that, uh, that the, the seed would fall on good soil, as it were, that you would open up our hearts, Lord God. You would help us, Lord, to to, to hear what you are saying, to see the things that you are wanting to show to us, Lord God. And I pray that we would be a people who uh, pursue you, who prioritize you, and who are people of your presence, Lord God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, according to music licensing company BMI, there is a song that is repeatedly listed on as one of the most played at sporting events all around the world. In fact, during the London 2012 Olympics alone, this particular song was played over half a million times. It has been recorded and covered countless times and even has a musical named after its title. My understanding is it was written specifically to engage the audience and create a song that people could participate in. It has a quite distinct and recognisable element to it. And I'm sure if I started the iconic percussive beat, you perhaps would recognize it. Does anyone know the song I'm talking about? It's the song, We Will Rock You. And you know, it's really fascinating because I've been at sporting events where that song will play over the loudspeaker and people can be just kind of caught up in the game or caught up with talking with one another. And it's like they hear the songs start up, and people all of a sudden stop what they're doing, and they join in. They enter in. It's like you hear that percussive beat, and it is a distinct marker of that song. It's something unique and different, and you hear it, and you straight away recognize what the song is and join in. And it's not just songs that have something unique and distinct about them. Perhaps you might be driving along the highway on a road trip, and you see the iconic or the distinct golden arches that, of course, is the uh, distinct marker of McDonald's. You see it, you recognize it, you know what it's all about, what it represents, what you will find there. We could go on, of course, to soundtracks and movie quotes and other things like that. There are so many recognizable and distinct markers of various things in our lives. And in a similar way, I believe there are or there should be some distinct markers for us as God's people, as followers of Jesus. Distinct markers that people can see and recognize and take note of. And so that is the name of this new series that we're starting this morning, Distinct Markers of the People of God. And it's my aim that as we just spend some time looking at some of these things, that are or should be distinct markers of our lives as followers of Jesus, it's, it's my prayer that it wouldn't just be information or a nice reminder, 
but actually something that would stir our hearts afresh to seek after the Lord and to live lives that are distinct and different in the midst of the world that we live in, in the midst of the culture of our day. So by definition, distinct means recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type, or easily identifiable or set apart from others of its kind. And that definition is is quite interesting to me because as we read uh, in the New Testament, there is a particular word that is often used to describe believers, to describe the followers of Jesus. The Apostle Paul uh, uses it quite a lot in his writings, and it's this particular word, saint, saints. And for example, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, we read that saints are those who are in Christ and who have called upon his name. And so... This particular Greek word for saints is the word hagios, which means different, set apart, or distinct. All those elements make up the meaning of that particular word, this call that we have as followers of Jesus and how we live our lives. And so there should be something different or something distinct about us as followers of Jesus, not in an arrogant kind of look at me, aren't we great kind of way, but Rather, in response to his saving power, his marvelous, matchless mercy, his abundant grace, it's like this response that's you know, humble and grateful, and it's like a look at him, isn't he great kind of way, so that he would be on display and that he would be seen in our lives. And so there's one particular thing that I want to focus on this morning, and in many ways uh, it will lay the kind of bit of the framework for the coming weeks, that something that makes us distinct as the people of God and indeed is a distinct marker is his presence, is his presence. We sing a song here from time to time. One of the lines says, remind us today we are people of your presence. So that's the title of the message if you're looking for that, a people of his presence. Let's read Exodus chapter 33 together. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but... I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onwards. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses till he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses." 
When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Now, I believe there's much contained in this passage for us to grab hold of this morning. And I want to suggest to us that that what we see in Moses, his priority, his prayer, and his pursuit is a blueprint for our lives as well. So just to give a little bit of a context and background here, it's coming right off the back of the golden calf issue. You know, we see the story of God's people, how the Lord had delivered them, how he brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And with many wonders and miracles and signs, and it was for a purpose, it was so that they may draw near to worship him. It was so that they may be his treasured possession. It was so that they would know him. And so there they are in the wilderness, and Moses is up the mountain, and God is speaking to him, he's giving his word, his law. But in, in the delay, in the waiting, the people become restless. And then, of course, there's that horrible rebellion and sin of the golden calf, where they make this calf, this idol, and kind of begin to, to bow down before that. And so in the aftermath of this is where this passage, is where we see this passage. And there's a few things that I want to just encourage us in, bring out this morning. The first is this, if we're called to be a people of his presence, if his presence is indeed a distinct marker of our lives, this has an impact on our priorities. The question for us this morning is, are we settling for good or for God? Let's unpack this a little bit and follow the progression here in verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses, he says, the Lord speaks, he says, depart, go up from here to the land that I swore to give to you. So the promise, I will send an angel before you, I will drive out the enemies, you'll go to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that actually sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's like, go up from here, the Lord says. Great, let's get out of this wilderness. That sounds pretty good to me. He says, go into the land that I swore to give to you. Well, again, that's stepping into the promise, the promises that God has spoken many years before. That sounds pretty good. He says, I will send an angel before you. That's certainly better than us having to find our own way out here in the wilderness. The GPS, GPS is a bit patchy anyway. 
That sounds pretty good. He says, I will drive out your enemies. Anyone like that sort of promise? Not having to deal with the opposition and the difficulties and difficult people and issues. That sounds pretty good to me. And he says, you'll go to a land flowing with milk and honey. However, there is a but. So often in Scripture, what comes after this little connecting word, but, is significant in some way. It's to be taken note of. The Lord's promised an angel to go with him, to, to go into the land flowing with milk and honey, but... He said, I will not go up among you, lest I consume you. In other words, I've had enough. I can't deal with this rebellion and this hard-heartedness and stiff-necked people anymore. The people heard this, and for them it was a disastrous word. Why is that? They were happy to have the golden calf. They were happy to do their own thing. Maybe it was repentance. Maybe it was that realization What do we have apart from him? If he's not going to go up and be in our midst, that is, we're in a bit of trouble here. Maybe there'd been a sense of just becoming over-familiar or a little bit kind of apathetic about the wonder, the significance of God's presence in the midst of the people. There's a danger that we too can become over-familiar or flippant even about the wonder of our God who dwells with us. And so for the people, the thought of him not being right there in the midst was disastrous. But we see Moses in the midst of all this, in the midst of all that was going on, his priority was that the presence of the Lord would in fact mark the people. That he would give them rest, that he would be there in the midst. So he prays and he says, no, if you don't go up with us, Lord, a substitute, even a good one, just won't do. That's all good. All this sounds good, but it's not God. It's not you, Lord. Nothing else will do, Lord. We must know you going with us. We must know you in our midst. And I wonder what would happen if each of us today had that same priority. As I go to work today, Lord, I want to know you going with me right there in the midst. Lord, as I go to study today or to school today, Lord, I want to know your presence right there in the midst. As I serve my family today, God, I need to know you right in the midst. As we gather at church today, Lord, we need to know your presence here with us in a deeper way. Let's not fall into the trap of being happy with good at the expense of God. For us today, it's so easy perhaps to to go up from here into our activity, into our busyness, into all the things that perhaps are on our plate. But where is God in the picture? Of course, he's with us. I'm talking about the degree to which we are desiring and welcoming him and his manifest presence in our lives the degree to which he is central, and our lives are lived in response to him, not the other way around. It's not just the good that will distinguish us, that will make us distinct, as it says in Philippians 2, that will cause us to shine like stars in the midst of a twisted and crooked generation. It's God with us. 
There's this picture in Numbers chapter 9, verse 15 to 23. It's a picture of the tabernacle that represented um, God's dwelling place in the midst of his people. And uh, there's this passage that talks about how, uh, and I love this picture, it was like the, the presence of the Lord was represented by a cloud that would descend upon the tabernacle. And when it was there, the people, that's when they camped. And when the cloud lifted, that's when they set out. When the cloud descended, that's where they stopped. That's where they set up camp. It could be for a few days. It could be for a couple of weeks. It could be longer. Even when it was inconvenient or uncomfortable, it was this picture of the people of God living in response to his presence, living in response to what the Lord was doing, what the Lord was saying, what he was, uh, where he was leading them, rather than the other way around. This, to me, this picture speaks of not just going about our own lives, doing our own thing, seeking God to bless whatever we're doing, but rather, our priority must be living in response to him and coming into alignment with getting on board with what he is doing. You know, by way of example, this particular building that we're gathering in now, and time doesn't permit me to go into the, the full story of how the Lord worked and opened the right doors of opening up this building for us to, to purchase and renovate and now gather in. It was a long process, and uh, there were many different buildings that were looked at by the church, by the leadership, by the board. It was something that was very prayerfully considered. And there were many options that were really good. There were many options that were really good contenders that kind of had you know, lots of good stuff going for it. But in kind of the praying and the seeking the Lord, because we want him to lead us, right? There was just, for some of them, even though they seemed good, it was like, no, it doesn't feel right. And then finally, the journey brought us to this particular building. And even though there was lots of work involved, even though there was lots of stuff that needed to happen and we needed to go through, there was a sense from the Lord that this is the place, this is the building. And sure enough, he opened the door. Sure enough, he made a way. And I want to encourage us this morning, whether it's just the day-to-day things of life, whether it's decisions that we're facing, whether it's relationships perhaps whether we're, that we're in or seek, thinking of pursuing, whatever it might look like, if God isn't in it, it's not worth it. It's not worth pursuing. But if God is in it, if his presence is there, if there is a a sense of the yes of the Lord. Let me encourage you to follow after him, to live in response to his presence. May our priority be not just being happy with the good, but may our priority be God himself. And may our priorities be realigned this morning where that is needed. If we're called to be a people of his presence, that has an impact upon our priorities, yes, but it also has an impact upon our pursuit. 
The question I want to put to us this morning is, are we just seeking after his presence, T-S, or his presence, C-E, at the end? Presence as in a gift versus his presence. God is a God who delights to dwell with and be in the midst of his people. We see that all throughout Scripture. In fact, we can see that with the tent of meeting that Moses set up outside the camp. It was a place where God, where he would go to meet with God, where God would speak to him. And then there's a progression towards the tabernacle, which was established according to God's specific instructions. It was set up in the midst of the people, and they camped around. It was central to their lives as God's people through the wilderness and as they came into the land. And then eventually there was the the temple, the house for the Lord that was built, a place where people would go to worship and sacrifice and meet with God. But there was this element of being separate. There was the Holy of Holies. It was behind the veil. That was only a few could access the very manifest presence of the Lord. And so in all these things, God is a God who delights to dwell with his people. But there was a, just a, an issue there that he's a holy God and there is a sinful people. There's a separation. There was a veil that separated man from the holy of holies, the presence of God. For Moses, in this particular account, when the Lord says, I will not go up among you. You go to what is good, you go into the promised land, I will not go up among you. Moses recognized something significant and important. And I believe it's for us to grab hold of today. He prays in a certain way. That revealed the pursuit of his heart. He says, Lord, please show me now your ways that I may know you. Please show me your ways that I may know you. In Psalm 103, we read that Moses was familiar with the ways of God. And Israel was familiar with the acts of God. And so often we can chase after his acts, but not his ways. Moses doesn't pray, well, okay, please show me your blessings and your benefits that I might see you and experience you. He says, no, show me your ways. It wasn't enough just for the trappings or the blessings or the good things on offer. It was his prayer both to know the ways of God and his pursuit to know his presence in his life. It's like he saw and he knew all the benefits, his presence, if you like, T.S., yet he put all that aside to know God and his presence with him. His pursuit was to know the Lord. It was God himself. It was a recognition that apart from him, they had nothing and were nothing. It was a recognition that his presence was the very thing that made a difference, that made God's people distinct, different, set apart and holy and impacted their day-to-day lives in immeasurable ways. And it's the very thing that makes us distinct today. He says, do not bring us up from here. Don't bring us up from here unless you're going to go with us, Lord. The very life and sustenance and dynamic of God's people then, as it is now, is found in him alone. Let's guard our hearts from moving away from that as our pursuit. He says in verse 16, Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? 
It's like he's saying, what makes us distinct? It's not just your favor. It's not just your blessing. It's not just your provision. It's not just health. It's not just success that makes us distinct as your people. No, it's you, Lord. It's your very presence that marks us, that changes us, that transforms us, that we need in our lives, that we can delight in, that we must seek after. So please hear me this morning. I want to make this clear. I'm not saying we can never ask God for anything, okay? Let me make that really clear. For provision, for blessing, for anything like that. He's a loving Father. Scripture reveals that. In fact, in Matthew 7, it says, you know, earthly fathers, though they are evil, give good things to their children. How much more does God delight to give good things, right? But encouragement this morning is where our focus and our pursuit is. Moses wasn't just after the gifts alone, but the gift giver. Not just the presence alone, but his presence. You see, to know his manifest presence in a deeper way, we must desire it. And being a people of his presence is not just here for a Sunday morning. It's not just the extent of it, but it's for a Monday through Saturday. It's not just having the Lord as our personal butler or vending machine. We punch in the numbers... Thanks, Lord, I'll take it from here. No. Rather, it's being concerned with not just what he can do for us, although we're grateful for that. It's rather for who he is. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, says, The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. So what does it look like for us to take that into our day-to-day? There's a particular brother in Christ who lived several hundred years ago. Perhaps you've heard the name. His, his name was Brother Lawrence. And uh, my understanding is that he wanted to do something significant, have an impact for God in his generation. And in the end, he kind of went into this monastery and he was hoping to have a real impact there but he was assigned the wash-up duty in the kitchen and at first he was like what how can I have an impact here how can I have an impact just washing up how can I have an impact where no one can see me but as the Lord began to work on his heart as he as he began to pursue presence of the Lord in a deeper way, he found that even in the midst of washing the dishes, that was when he could know the Lord's presence in a deep and powerful and personal way, just as when he was in times of prayer or in doing the kind of church activities. He wrote that the time for work was no different than the time for prayer. In the noise and the clutter, when different people are calling for different things all at the same time, I can know the presence of the Lord in that moment. And in fact, he, there was a book that was kind of written from conversations, from writings that he wrote called The Practice of the Presence of God. And I believe for us today, as we go about our weeks, as we go about our work, as we go about serving our families, as we go about being in community wherever God has placed us, we too can also learn as we turn our hearts towards the Lord, learn to make room for him, 
We too can learn to treasure him. We too can learn to live in a way that, that we're saying, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? If we're going to live distinct, surely we must have a sense of him, a vision of him to fill our gaze as we go about our days. Not just waiting to Sunday, as great as it is to gather together, but learning to walk with him and practice the presence of the Lord in our day to day. What is your first pursuit or priority as you wake in the morning? Is it to check the news? Is it to check the social media feeds? Is it to check the sports scores? Or is it the Lord? Is it Him? May we not just be pursuing His presence, His gifts only at the expense of his presence as the one who gives the gifts. The best way to be a people distinct, a people of his presence, perhaps I could ask the worship team to come up at this point, is to not just look to the presence, but to the person of Jesus. Because in talking about distinct markers for us as his people, If we're called to be a people of his presence, this all centers on a person. So the question as we bring this to a close this morning is where is Jesus in the picture? Does he have his rightful place? As we read in scripture, we read that he is Emmanuel, our God with us. And we've talked about the the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the temple already this morning. We've talked about how there was still that element of of separation because of this issue of sin and the fact that he is a holy God. We've talked about the veil that separated people from the holy of holies, the very presence of the living God. In John 1 verse 14, I love what it says, and we could spend a long time talking about this. It says, the word became flesh And dwelt among us. That word for dwelt literally means tabernacled among us. Made his home, made his, took up residence in the midst, right? So when Jesus came and when he gave up his life and died upon the cross, the veil, that veil was torn from top to bottom. That veil that represented the separation between holy God and sinful man, that there was a barrier in between that was torn in two from top to bottom. Because of what Jesus has done, he has made a way for his presence to be available to us always. Not just certain times of year with a rope tied to the ankle of the high priests in case something happened and they had to yank him out. Not just here on a Sunday as we gather together as God's people, but available to us always as we respond to him and welcome his presence into our lives. My challenge for us this morning, are we a people of his presence? Is his presence a distinct marker in our lives? Does it impact our priorities and our pursuit? 
or has his presence become common? Has it become something that we become, have we become complacent or apathetic about this God who is with us? We think about the distinct markers of us as God's people, His presence being one of them. He, the Lord Jesus, must have His rightful place. Just like the song that I started with, where people hear that and recognize the elements as distinct, as something different than other songs, and they kind of see it and recognize it, know it, and join in as a result. Just like Moses who proclaimed that it's the Lord's going with us, that, that, that's what makes us distinct. May we be a people who prioritize and pursue his presence and whose lives revolve around the person of Jesus so that others would see and hear and recognize and as a result, he would be seen, he would be known and he would get the glory in our lives. Would you stand this morning? We're going to end with a song together to finish in that place of praise, place of welcoming His presence. And, uh, As always, there is going to be opportunity for prayer this morning, ministry, something we love to do. Give opportunity for for us as his people to respond. So just towards the end of the song, I'd invite the prayer team to come. And uh, just... I believe that there's a couple of areas that the Lord wants to minister in, a couple of calls for prayer. The first of which being just that, that fresh awareness of His presence in your life. Perhaps it's just grown a little bit dim. Perhaps it's just, you just want that fresh awareness of His presence in your life. That's an opportunity to receive prayer this morning. The other thing, though, as well, is just that renewing, as, as we've been talking this morning, there's that, that sense or that conviction of a need to renew or realign priorities and a pursuit of your heart and life. So if you're in either of those places today, there'll be opportunity for prayer and, of course, for anything else as well. So Lord, I thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you that you are God in our midst. Lord, I want to pray, God, that our lives would in fact be distinct, would in fact be different, would in fact be set apart for you, Lord God, that you would be seen and that you would be known. And I pray that we would be a people of your presence, Lord God, that that would impact our priorities, Lord God. 
that, Lord, we wouldn't just settle for good, but we would seek after you, God. Lord, I pray that as people of your presence, that would impact upon our pursuit, Lord God. We're so thankful for your gifts. We're so thankful for your blessings, all that you've poured out. We're so thankful. But Lord, may we not just be seeking your presence, your gifts, at the expense of seeking your presence, Lord. You with us, God. And Lord, may our lives be centered on and focused on, revolve around the person of Jesus, that you, Lord, would have your rightful place. We thank you, Jesus, that you have through the finished work of the cross, that the veil has been torn. That we, you have made a way for us to know your presence, the presence of your Holy Spirit. Not just here on a Sunday, not just certain times, but each and every day. So I pray that you would increase our awareness of your presence, Lord, as we go from here this day. We want to know you, Lord. We want to seek you. We desire that you be honored and glorified in our lives. Just bless each and every person here this morning with your presence, with your goodness, with your grace. Amen. Let's worship together.